0: On the steam train. We real estate
1: us. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. So we've got Isabel Greenall-Smith with Residential Assisted Living Academy. And Isabel is another operator in the Phoenix market. And we're going to talk about how to generate more revenue than a 50-unit apartment building with one single family home. Now, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. And the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire. In the next five to seven years, if you'll take consistent action, you will become one. Now, one thing that we've been doing a lot of recently, uh, myself and some of my peers, is having private conversations, talking about how to navigate this market. And uh, something we've never offered before, but we're starting to offer now, is a diagnostic call. So if you want to discuss where exactly you're in your business today, where you want to be uh, in the future, and some of the challenges that you're facing that's preventing you from getting there, let's schedule a call. Now, this call is not cheap. It's not free. But if you want, you know, at the end, we'll uh, help you gain clarity. And we're going to point you in the direction. It's possible that one of those directions is one of my products. So I want to be totally transparent here. Uh, But if that's something you think might be valuable to you, go to stevetrangdiagnostic.com. And this show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, all I ask, you just tag a friend below, share this episode right now, that way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Isabel to answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate?
2: Well, it actually started with something very close to home. So my grandmother fell, broke her hip, needed 24-7 care. The doctor said she can't go home alone. She needs you know, help with her activities of daily living. My dad had been a real estate investor for 40 years, but when this happened, he was like, okay, what do we do? You know, mm-hmm. do we quit our jobs and take care of her full time? Do we give her in-home care, which can be incredibly expensive, or do we put her into a facility? And it just felt so icky, so wrong. Like, you know, many people face this and it's just like, oh, I, I, it's my beloved mom, my beloved grandmother, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, he kind of stumbled into residential assisted living. He found a home and realized really quick, wait, I'm going to pay five grand a month for her to live there, or I could own this and be cash flowing 10 grand and she could live for free. Yeah. So he purchased his first one. I was a flight attendant at the time, actually. I had graduated college. So and-
1: he looked into this, saw this was like 5,000. Yeah. And instead of how most people, I imagine 99 plus percent or more, look at this as like <laughs> crap i need to come up with five thousand dollars Yep. he immediately saw opportunity
2: immediate opportunity okay yes combining his knowledge of real estate with saying i have no idea what i'm doing in this field but i'm going to leverage other people's knowledge and mm-hmm. insight to make this happen right um purchased his first one got into it i saw what he was doing i was a flight attendant making no money but having a lot of fun and started to slowly be like dad why are you so happy? Why are you hanging out with old people? What's going on? Because I'd watched him be a real estate investor for 40 years. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ups and downs in that, you know, tenants, toilets, drama, unpaid Mm -hmm. rent. And he was super happy, seemingly had more money than ever. And it was like, what's going on? So I just started forcing my way into his office, Mm -hmm. learning things, overhearing him. And then eventually I was like, Hire me. I want to work for you.
1: So I'm going to ask some personal questions here. Yeah. So how long ago was this?
2: This was about eight years ago.
1: Eight years ago. Yeah. And about how old were you?
2: I, I'm i 31 now. So early 20s.
1: Okay. And I'm asking this question because one of the things that happens, uh, and I'm I'm guilty of this as well, right? Like, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. I love what I'm doing. And I, I, I'm hopeful, but not requiring, my kids get involved <laughs> in the business. Yes. So prior to this. Yeah. Was your dad trying to drag you into the real estate never. business? Never. He never tried to drag you never.
2: into the Never. He okay. was very much make your own path, do what makes you happy, choose what's for you.
1: Okay. So then it was just curiosity. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Something's different with dad.
2: A hundred percent.
1: So I've met your dad. Yeah. And he seems like a very jovial person. Yeah. Very happy. Yes. So he was not always as happy.
2: <laughs> I mean- I think that he is, We our nickname at home for him was Mr. Positive. Mm-hmm. He was always very happy, but I think I just saw it wear on him. Mm-hmm. Being a real estate investor is not always the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> no,
1: especially this exact moment. <laughs> right? Yeah. And
2: so it just wears on you. And so I think we just saw a lot of that and just him being an entrepreneur for so long and there's highs and there's lows. And then it just felt like this is something different. It just it just felt like something was different. Mm -hmm. So he never asked me or any of my siblings to be involved with this. I literally just started walking into his office every morning saying, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And eventually being like, you should hire me.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. So you just kind of forced your way in. I
2: forced my way in. I ended up being his first employee. Mm -hmm. And um, at that point, he had purchased two more properties, turned them into residential assisted living homes. And he just really started teaching me the lay of the land through osmosis, through Mm. just being near him. It's not like he ever sat down and told me, step-by-step, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I just learned it through conversation, through hearing things, through being in his email and poking around. Um, and then all of his friends in real estate started being like, can you tell me what you're doing? Can you right. start teaching and training on this? And um, he was a wonderful educator. So he just naturally started to be like, okay, I'm going to start training on this. And then the birth of Residential Assisted Living Academy grew from there.
1: So you were involved after bought his first one
2: after his first yeah
1: so were you there as part of the process of like what were some of the challenges and the the nightmares and stuff like that
2: oh yes because the first one was an existing business so there's kind of four ways you can get into it and one of them is buying an existing residential assisted living so he purchased the real estate and the business Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of drama with that right because there's already staff there and they're already set up to be working with a different owner. Mm-hmm. And now what if they don't like the way you want to operate it, you know, and now everyone quits on you or, or something right. like that. So there was a lot of learning curves. Also, he had no idea what he was doing in this. No one was teaching on it. No one was training. So he was just learning through trial and error. So I watched a lot of that. And then when he had bought his next two, a, a different way to do it is buy a single family home and convert it to become... That's what he did with the next two, and I was part of those processes. So
1: So, what were some of like the biggest challenges or nightmares do you, that you recall from the very first one?
2: Oh, I think um staffing, I think families, there's always family drama. In any business, it's people who your are your family issue. drama or no. other
1: people's family drama?
2: No, the seniors living in the home, their families, it. just because it's a shift, it's a change. So maybe we're saying Hey, we want to renovate this home. It's a mm-hmm. fully running business, but the home needs some updates. So, when one person passes, okay, we're going to renovate that one room, you know, until we get another person in. Well, some people might be like, "Oh, you can't renovate this house. You know, my mom's living here and the 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 dust and it's like we're not doing her room. Mm-hmm. We're doing one room at a time. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be as safe and conscious as possible, but we want to elevate this. We want it to be right. a nice home for you. So, people is always any the, the drama in any business right yeah
1: there's a something i've said before and people you know think i'm really jaded possibly i am it's like i love everything about real estate except for houses and people right like we could just <laughs> eliminate yeah. those two things like real estate be really easy yeah so the the so the family drama from yeah. the i mean you you consider them patients or clients
2: residents residents yes
1: so the residents their family yeah so it wasn't necessarily the resident themselves that were no. causing grief no but someone coming in to look out for them, mm-hmm. for their best interest, is causing uh, ex- excessive drama.
2: Yeah, maybe a little, maybe a little drama there. And yeah. then, and then the caregivers—you know, just a shift in management, people wanting to run it differently. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, no, you're not going to be texting in the corner. Like, mm-hmm. we're putting cameras in this house, and we're watching you, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to do it right. So there's and more supervision. More supervision and just being more hands-on and saying, like, this is the standard we want to run these homes, and step up or step out because we're building a new culture here
1: yeah and i'm kind of thinking i can't remember which uh adam Sandler movie this is right but yeah. it's the one with ben stiller and like he's like the evil like uh nurse resident nurse
2: oh yes oh my gosh i i know yeah. exactly they're they're making the quilts in right. the sweatshop
1: yeah i can't remember that movie <laughs> the name of that movie but, yeah yeah uh, okay so you that was the first one yep and then the second and third one you guys did it differently because you guys not like buying an existing one anymore
2: We just wanted to go a different route because of, you know, buying an existing is a really great way to get into this because it's one of the faster, easier ways. Mm -hmm. You're paying for speed. Someone else has done a lot of the legwork for you, but we wanted to try a different route of buying a single family home and then converting it to become a residential assisted living. Um, So we tried that route next with the next two homes. And how was that? I think easier because you get to control the look and the feel of the property. You're hiring the people. You're not having to break systems or a way that things have been done and recreate stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, I think we really liked that because we had a very strong, what we wanted to see and the culture we wanted to create and the environment we wanted for those seniors. And we were very set on that. So it wasn't like... Uh, it was it was a lot easier i think to do that and be able to create the home the way you want it
1: got it so before we get into like the the specifics here like what kind of revenue are we talking about cuz we I mean we put it pretty bold yeah. point, like and and i'm all about creating clickbait headlines i know i apologize <laughs> people are watching but that's what works with algorithms so yeah. um so like what kind of revenue are we really talking about if someone's like doing, maybe their first one.
2: Yeah. Okay, so I want to give a low end and then a high end, if mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. So average rates in America today is $4,500 a month to live in an assisted living home.
1: Per resident. Per
2: resident. Yep, 4500 So depending on where you live in the country, that totally varies. Mm-hmm. But that's average rates. You're allowed to have anywhere between 6 and 16 residents in the home. Mm-hmm. So when I say single family, a lot of people think a three-bed, two-bath. Right. Yes, that's a single family, but also a... Seven-bed, five-bath is also a single family. Mm-hmm. So we have to think differently when I'm saying that word, right? right? So in Arizona, we're allowed to have 10 residents in a home. So our homes, other than the one we purchased, but the other two, they didn't start that way. We had to convert them to become 10-bedroom, 10 10-bath 10 homes. Yeah. Um, but in that case, 4,500 times 10 seniors, 45,000 coming in gross.
1: So 10 bedrooms, 10 baths, so they all have their own bathrooms. Uh,
2: one of the homes has nine bathrooms and one has 10. So wow. yes. Okay. The more private, private you can do, the more you can get. Oh, it's a premium. Yeah. Got yeah. it. So, um, so yeah, so forty-five coming in. Your expenses are pretty high because this is twenty-four-seven for these senior medication mm-hmm. management, three meals a day, twenty-four-seven caregivers on staff. You know, activities, food, cable, internet, everything. So let's call it
1: because f- each one has like their own TV and their own cable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, we're like we're giving them everything and anything that they want. They're paying a heavy fee to live in the home. They should really be living out their golden years in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say thirty grand in expenses, and then your debt service or mortgage, maybe five thousand, right? In most parts of the country, you can still get a pretty nice home for five grand a month. That's giving you ten thousand dollars on that home every single month take home as the owner. Mm-hmm. That's after you've paid all your expenses, everything,
1: including the caregivers. Correct. The utilities. Yeah. So we're talking even, net.
2: Even vacancies, everything baked yeah. into that. Yeah, net. So that's kind of your average home. In certain states, Texas, uh, Ohio, Illinois, you're allowed to have 16 residents in a home. And what we teach in our training is to never do average, do above average. Mm-hmm. So if 4500 is the average, we have plenty of students all across the country who are getting six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 a month per resident because their homes are very luxurious.
1: Is that covered by the family or by the uh, medical, by the government? Like That's a a significant sum.
2: It is. Typically private pay. It's Mm -hmm. almost always the seniors using their cash, their IRAs. They sold their home and are using those funds or their adult children are paying for Mm -hmm. it, Um, which is also something to consider because a lot of people are not prepared for this. The silver tsunami is coming. The baby boomers are coming. And if you don't have a plan for your loved one, that's pretty scary. Like you've got to figure this out. Um, so let's say there it's a 16 or, or a 15 bedroom home for easy math, 7,000 times 15, that's 105,000 coming in gross, but our expenses are going to go up. Maybe they're not 30. Maybe they're 50. Yeah, it's this. not
1: proportionally going up is it's, it, go, it, it's,
2: it's going it's going up,
1: but not by the same ratios.
2: Correct. Because this is a luxury home. Also, there's five more residents. So mm-hmm. we need to think of more food, more care, more everything really so 105 minus 50 and let's say the debt service this is a 15 bedroom home let's say it's 15 grand a month that's still leaving you with 40,000 dollars take home yeah. so when we say one of these beats a 50 unit apartment that's what i mean because each apartment you're maybe getting you know a couple hundred bucks maybe a thousand bucks but that's not always the take home right
1: mm-hmm. that's gross
2: Exactly. Yeah. So it definitely beats it. We have a guy in Jersey who those are exactly his numbers. He's got 15 residents, seven grand a month. He brings in 40 grand a month.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. So this is a different model than, for example, maybe going to buy a franchise. Yeah. I, was, uh, I heard, I was talking to one of my agents yesterday, one of the clients, you know, they have a, a Mexican fast food chain. Yeah. And they make 40, 50 grand a month. I was like, wow, that's a lot of money for just like, uh, you know, burritos and stuff. But. <laughs> You know, it must
2: be good burrito.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's a high volume <laughs> business. Um, But this is just a different direction if you wanted to like, I mean, you can't do a Starbucks, but if you were to do, I think like maybe coffee bean, you can franchise, right? Yeah. This would be like a franch- buying a franchise. Uh, Is there a lot of owner involvement in these or is this like... like if you buy like a 7-Eleven franchise, yeah. you're pretty involved, yeah. right? Is this a situation where you're buying like a convenience store franchise or this is a situation where you're buying and you're an owner, but not an operator?
2: Okay. So we set it up that you own and operate the real estate and the business, mm-hmm. but you're still hiring a licensed administrator, which in real estate world, we'll call that the property manager. It's a medical license that they have through the state. So they can care for the residents. They can do intake with the residents. But typically, they're doing like, you know, touring with the families. They might be in charge of filling the beds, the marketing, hiring and firing caregivers, payroll, all sorts of different stuff. They're your hands-on go-to person. So how we teach and train and how we run this is one phone call a week with that person. Of course, they can call in emergencies. Oh, yeah. But one set phone call a week. And then I try to only visit the homes like every other month. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be hands-on. I don't want to be working there. There are plenty of people who do this hands-on, and you absolutely can, but you also don't have to, and that's how I like to teach to set it up as more of a pactive, right? Passive and active, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) a little bit. I don't want to say it's completely passive because it's not, you know.
1: Well, it's just like having a rental. Yeah. It's passive, but is it? But is it? Exactly. Got it. Okay, so then uh, let's say, I mean, we're in the same market. I think uh, you're in Gilbert, right? Right. I'm in Chandler. so. Uh, you know, I, I call you. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm sold. Let's do this. Yep. Uh, I guess the first question is, before I get into all the other questions, if we're talking this kind of cash flow, yeah, you don't have to buy the house at a discount.
2: Nope.
1: Like, really, you can just pick off any house off the MLS as Pretty long as it much. hits the checks, the boxes. Correct. Okay. All right. So I'm sold. I'm ready to go. What's the first thing I do?
2: Well, as far as location for that home, mm-hmm. that's going to be your biggest thing to look for. And when I say location, the big thing I mean is the demographics. Mm-hmm. So we want to be where the 50 to 70-year-olds who are upper middle class, who make twice the median income.
1: So like around here, Scottsdale or Paradise Valley.
2: Uh-huh. That's pretty much where you want to be located because that's the daughter, Judy, right? The mm-hmm. adult child who's paying for mom or dad to live in your home. And she does not want to drive 45 minutes to Glendale just because it's cheaper. Yeah. She doesn't. She wants it five minutes on her way home from work or the kids. Or whatever. So location is like the number one thing.
1: That's an interesting thing, right? Because like not a lot lot of people think about that, right? They think about the numbers, specific and this and that. But like, yeah, like they want to be able to visit mom when it's convenient. Yep. It's not like, uh, how do I put it? It's not like um, necessarily a planned thing. Yes. Right? Or at least if it's in-state. Out-of-state, of of course, you have to plan. But in-state, it's like, yeah, you know, I just want to be able to stop by and say hi to mom.
2: 100%. Okay. and so i think when you're looking for the property demographics is key you want to make sure that there's density in the area like is there going to be growth opportunity here i always tell people if a new big box right a brookdale sunrise atrium just got built in your market mm-hmm. bingo you want your home are right those the names doorstep. of like
1: residential assisted living areas About
2: big Retirement. facilities yeah. yeah like those like commercial ones you know yeah. hundreds of beds yeah okay you don't know a brookdale (laughs) you've driven by them a thousand times you live in arizona (laughs) i
1: believe if i if i'm being honest i think i had to go to one of those yeah to get a seller to sign a contract yeah i I believe that was the circumstance
2: (laughs) it's arizona i'm sure now you're going to drive by it's going to be everywhere red corvette syndrome they're going to be everywhere right oh for sure um so density, you want to make sure that there's a need in the area. Those big boxes, they're spending millions on internal feasibility studies to determine if this is a good place for it. So mm. if there's a new one coming up, bingo, put yours as close to that as possible.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, You also want to make sure that, you know, we have to have people who work in the home. So if we're in a super nice area, but there's no workforce around, that's not going to work either. You have to have that good in between where you have a workforce but you're also near daughter Judy mm-hmm. and you're still near everything else that you need. You know, this isn't over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. You know, you have to make sure that everything that you need is right around it. So definitely location is key. And then you get into renovating the home, right? So most people want private bedrooms, private bathrooms. Like we were saying mm-hmm. earlier, the States will require you to have 80 to hundred square feet per person. Okay. That is tiny. Like, if we're 10 people in a home, that is way too small. We like to say 300 to 500 square feet per person. Mm-hmm. So, minimum with 10 people, a 3,000 square foot home, upwards of 5,000. So, having a larger footprint already to start with is nice because then you have to chop it up less inside. Um, you can do it with multi level, got to add in a chairlift, add in an elevator. In arizona we're lucky there's a lot of single level homes yeah um, but that's not true of everywhere so i've seen a lot of residential elevators you know be put into these homes we want to make it as senior safe as possible
1: right and then how many kitchens are there typically in these
2: still one kitchen Still
1: one kitchen yep
2: you want it i don't want home like i want it to be a home
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like i want them to actually like that's the kitchen if they want to go get something out of the fridge Go get something out of the fridge. You know, right. like, this is your home. This is where you live. A, a communal living room. We have we have students who have homes that have salons, movie theaters, uh, game rooms, workout yeah. rooms. Like, these are luxurious homes, you know, in good parts of town. And you can have those fun amenities. But minimum, you're going to want sitting room, dining room, living room, kitchen. You know, all the regular yeah. things. We I'm just trying
1: to picture this because, you know, honestly, I haven't been through a lot of these. You know, yeah. like, the ones I've been through are, like, sober living houses or... Yeah. Um, uh you know where they're taking care of like kids in need right yeah and they have the same setup but
2: like shared spaces
1: this, yeah there's a lot of shared spaces but you know it's drawn out the same so, so yeah. there's someone will always say oh this would be great for assisted living it's like i have no idea if this would be great for assisted <laughs> living right but those yeah. are the kind of things that are kind of going through my head that's the reason why i'm asking these questions yeah so all right so demographics yeah step one yep what after that what after, after that research then what
2: So getting the physical home that is best suited for this larger footprint, as many bedrooms and bathrooms as you can already have, you know, finding out your state maximum. Um, Like I said, it's going to fall somewhere between six and 16. So once you know that, getting that suitable property Mm -hmm. Um, and then really hiring your licensed administrator, that's like your key player. If you want to be hands off in this, then you've got to have somebody really, really strong in that position.
1: Yeah. One thing I I remember a long time ago, earlier part of my career, we're talking to people about, you know, doing assisted living. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, the biggest bottleneck was the licensing from the state.
2: Oh. Is that? Here in in Arizona. In Arizona. You know, the states all have like ranges of how long, like California on their website right now says six months. Mm -hmm. But there's still a ton of things you're going to do in those six months while you're prepping to get it licensed. So I'm like, that's fine. Um, I've never really seen anything take longer than six months. Most states are on like a three to four month. But um, there's also ways you can go about that. I am very much a people person. And my dad taught me this. Um, Do not submit it via mail. You get your butt down to the office. Mm -hmm. You walk it in. You hand it to that person. You bring them some brownies or cookies or a coffee or something. And then you ask them, when can you come over and do the inspection? I'd love you to... Oh, you've got one in Chandler next week? <laughs> I'm in Chandler. Come on over. Right. You know, and get them to bump you up to the top. When the, it's mailed in, it's put at the bottom of a the pile. They mm-hmm. don't know who you are. And, you know, good luck to you. That's when it's taken six months. But you can sometimes expedite that process. Not always.
1: But- yeah. It could have just been really bad intel. Or I could just be remembering entirely wrong, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I believe it was, they, they made it sound like it was like winning the lottery. You're able oh, to get no, the permit. No, 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 no. Okay. All yeah. right. So, step one demographic. Re- demographic research step two finding the, the a quality licensed administrator so yes. where does where do i go about finding one of those
2: yeah i mean indeed craigslist targeted newspapers so
1: there's like a lot of them then
2: this is a this is a career that exists Yeah, okay. cnas hhas those are usually people who are also licensed administrators mm-hmm. every state has different requirements for what you need it's typically to be 18 or 21 with a GED with this state licensing. So you can even go to community colleges. A lot of community colleges are adding in caregivers and administrative programs Mm -hmm. and get a list of fresh graduates, or this is a really tight knit industry. So talking to other people who are homeowners, operators or placement agents, geriatric doctors, nurses, elder law attorneys saying, who do you know who might be looking for a job? Really, word of mouth is a great way to find people yeah. as well. When
1: well, i think, thinking, especially in Arizona, we're probably fortunate yeah. because this is like the place for older yeah. people. One of two places.
2: There are 3,000 RAL homes in Maricopa County alone. Yeah. That's insane. There's only 30,000 in the entire country and we have 3,000 in one county.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised, right? Between Arizona and Florida, we just kind of go back and forth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So hiring someone, what do I do after that?
2: So once we get them hired, we really want them to buy into the culture and to, you know, what we're going to be building. Are you going to have one of these homes? Are you looking to scale? Do you want three? uh, You know, we call it a three pack, right? At least three of them. Or do you want 10? Do you want 25? Do you want 100? We want them to buy in because they are the face of our business. They're the voice of our business. They're the ones dealing with everything hands on. So once we get them, it's really getting them to buy in and be a part of that journey with us. Mm-hmm. So when we're hiring those caregivers, that they're hiring them to the standard that we want, right. You know that we're going through all of that culture and onboarding with them so that they can really take this and run with
1: it. So three or 10, we're talking about three or 10 houses, three or 10 residents? Houses. Okay. Yeah. So you're talking to the licensed administrator and asking them, how many houses do you want to manage?
2: basically, most will say between two and four, mm-hmm. but we also just want to recruit them. We want to onboard them into our vision. So, if right. if your vision is 10 homes, maybe it's recruiting them to say, I want you to manage the first four, if you're up for it, basically. And then once we get up to 10, I want you to manage the other three managers who are going to be overseeing three to four each, and you're going to be my, mm-hmm. you know, my big chief and getting them involved in that. You're really building a business here. So, getting that um, from the start, getting them bought in so that they see the vision that they're bought in and their loyalty will be there because you're automatically presenting them. Hey, here's an opportunity with massive room for growth. Right. I'm not giving you one job. I'm giving you a long-term career. And what are your goals? How can I help you achieve them? I think that's really important.
1: All right, onboarding and leading them effectively. Yep. Okay, so then you've got them. You've onboarded them. Yep then what?
2: They're gonna be hiring your caregivers and you'll be working on getting the physical home licensed. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of all happening, chicken before the eggs, simultaneously, parallel. it's all happening at the same time. So they're working on building out your staff and marketing for those seniors while you're working on the physical home requirements. It typically doesn't need to be ADA compliant, but you want it as close to that as possible. So we're gonna want ramps and guardrails. The fire marshal will come over, he'll give you that stamp of approval, for whatever you may need. And then the physical home will get that license on it. So you as the owner operator don't have a license. The physical home is a license, the licensed administrator has a license and the caregivers have a license, but you are just owning and operating all of this together.
1: Got it. Okay, anything else after that?
2: Getting the license and then it's filling the home with seniors.
1: How long, I mean like you do all these things, the research, I don't know, a month, Yeah. right? uh finding a person another couple months yep how long from starting this process until you have your first resident and then a filled house
2: i always tell people like as soon as they're in our training and they are committed to doing this they're like when should i start marketing And i'm like yesterday <laughs> yeah. right like we need to get the word out there now i don't even care if you don't have a property." Start building the brand. Right. Start building that you're coming. Get the community excited Build that you're pipeline. coming. Yeah. It's so important. So um, marketing is everything. And the sooner you start marketing, the easier it will be to fill those beds. When you wait until opening day and say, okay, now I'm going to do an open house and fill it, you're going to have a tough time. It's going to be yeah. a couple months. I do like to bake in at least six months to fill the home um, once you're up and running. But if you're doing your pre-marketing, you might have three people moving in day one, you know? Right. And, and so that makes it a lot easier because getting that first resident is always the hardest. No one wants to be the first one to move in.
0: That makes know? sense. Yeah.
1: So then how much would it cost, right? I'm doing this on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go out without help. I'm just going to do this on myself. Yeah. How much would it cost from starting until uh, the first resident, uh, occupy uh, Yeah, uh, occupies.
2: It ranges, and I hate that answer. It depends, right? It, it,
1: it's. I it's mean,
2: but I've, I've
1: learned that it depends is probably a more honest answer than a specific answer. It
2: is because, like, okay, so the four routes I said you could get started. We talked about buying an existing. Mm-hmm. When you're buying an existing, you need the capital to buy the home, buy the real estate. And then the time frame on that is probably three to six months for, per, for, for that purchase, right? Yep. But you're up and running cash flowing day one. If you're going to buy a single family home, that's the acquisition of the real estate, the renovation, building that business. And I always like to bake in at least two months of carrying costs because I want to give you time to get that business up and running. That could take you six months to a year, depending yep. on how much renovation needs to happen. The third way to get started is leasing a home for this. So you work with someone who's already owning the home, has already retrofit the home and you're gonna lease it from them. Now you just need money for to start that up, right? Whatever origination costs they want to include in that, but then you're carrying costs because now it's it's time to go. You gotta fill that those beds. Yeah. And then the fourth way is buying land and building custom from the ground up. So we have a lot of students who've done that. Really? Yeah. Um, especially our contractor students, mm. like in the Midwest and stuff. Um, or states where you're allowed to have 16 residents mm-hmm. because to get a, a, a single family home yeah. up to 16 bed 16 bath
1: it's a major remodel it's,
2: you, you basically <laughs> you might, you, as, you, you might as well you yeah. might as well so a lot of our students like to do that when they're in states that where you can have 12 14 or 16 and they'll just buy land build custom from the ground up I've seen that take as little as a year and I've seen it take up to three years so it really ranges on mm-hmm. time frame and then as well as cost but at least two months carrying costs, i think is safe and comfortable if you're going to start that pre-marketing
1: got it okay and then uh, we're going to get to the questions in a little bit but i want to ask you so one of the things you put here is that you've built eight companies over the last seven years yeah so i've been accused i believe wrongly of having shiny object syndrome okay okay it's probably true so Building eight companies over seven years, that's not a small feat. No. So what What are these companies and like, how? how was? how is that possible?
2: Yeah, so we started with the concept of the Impact Housing Group, mm-hmm. um, which really just frames around we want to create housing and teach people how to use housing to make an impact. Um, making money is cool, but affecting people, changing lives, impacting people is the coolest thing that you could ever do. Um So it's kind of started with, you know, at home with with my own grandmother needing this and Residential Assisted Living Academy started. Impact Housing Group's kind of that overarching company that teaches and trains on all different types of housing that makes an impact. So we also have a company, Recovery Housing Academy, that teaches on clean, sober recovery homes, those who are justice involved, you know, foster kids who've gotten kicked out after 18, all sorts of different um, types of recovery that people need housing for. Um, We also have the AL Network, which is basically just informational resource from podcasts and blogs and and information basically on everything assisted living. We have the RAL National Association. It is the only association for all 30,000 care home owners across the country. When we got into this industry, no one was there for us. Yeah, You know, the big boxes, they run this and they have a lot more money and power than all of these small care home owners do. And we were like, we need to create something to represent these people, give them a voice in the industry. So we have a team of lawyers who's there to help people oh, wow. Yeah, and, and really fight for our rights as mm-hmm. small care home owners. So we represent all 30,000 of the 16 and under beds across our country today. Um, the national uh, convention, which just happened last weekend, is our large annual convention for all of those care homeowners where we're bringing them together, celebrating them, and really just honoring the journey that they have. I'm trying to think of what else. Pitch Masters Academy. We yep. teach and train people how to pitch. I'm sure dad talked to you about that.
1: Yeah, he did.
2: <laughs> That's a fun one because a lot of times people who come to us, they say, well, this is going to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I need to raise capital, and I don't know how to do that. I've never done that. And so, you know, my dad was an incredible public speaker and wanted to impart that knowledge on other people of how to pitch to raise money, how to in, in, in get people to invest in you and your ideas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the companies that are coming to my head right now. But
1: yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> so, uh, and then you were the integrator for all of these.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So you. Uh, you've seen all the different parts of all the different businesses. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So what was that like?
2: You know, my dad and I had the best dynamic ever. He was um, such an incredible visionary that he would just come with an idea and basically just spout it out. Like, I'm thinking this and this, and it's going to look like this and feel like this, and this is who's going to come. And I'd be like, okay, put it all down, You know, poke all the holes, come back to him with This is how much time it's gonna take. This is who's gonna be involved. This is how much it's gonna cost. These are the red flags I see, and here's the successes I see. Do you still wanna do this? Mm -hmm. And we just worked so well in that way together. That's awesome. Um, And so I think that really um, manifested something in me that, you know, when you go to school, I went to ASU and it's like, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Double major, double minor, doing a bunch of school but i had no real direction no real vision i didn't know how to use my god-given skills to do something that meant something and then finally working with him it was like oh my gosh this is my skill yeah. is is taking someone else's idea bringing it to fruition and and presenting it to the world is a true real thing in business so we just worked so seamlessly in in that way together um, so now i'm i'm integrator slash visionary and Mm -hmm. i've rehired myself as as integrator i've got a great team now who handles that all for me so now i'm learning to tap into that creative side of myself and and throw ideas at my team to drive them crazy
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean that's kind of when you're trying to come up with ideas that's that's kind of our responsibility right yeah and it sounds kind of crazy and i I got a chance to meet your dad you know um i was let's see i got a chance to see him speak at cg but i didn't really get to connect with him uh, and then, uh, we're both in family mastermind Yeah. and, uh, he was in there and that's when I actually got to finally connect with him Yeah. and, uh, he actually, you know, uh, we get our book right active listening 2.0 and I was like, Hey, you know, like, let me give you this book, uh, you know, tell me what you think of it, you know, check it out. And not only did he review the book, he told me like, okay, you should change that title. I was like, give me a better title. I was like, okay, that's a much better title. Um, <laughs> But then he also suggested some other NLP books that were yeah. really helpful and instrumental for me for oh, a sales good. trainer. So, I mean, he was really impactful uh, for myself. Um, and then I remember, you know, um, he, one of his last presentations at family mastermind, I think probably his last presentation at family mastermind yeah. was talking about how to leave an effective legacy, you know? And, um, I, I, shared this with somebody cause he passed away last year. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, I think, you know, there were two people that passed away last year that I personally knew from COVID and he was one of them. And, uh, in watching his video talking about you know how to leave an effective legacy for your family like it really connected with me it's like man like that guy actually did yeah we all talk about it
2: yeah
1: right everyone talks about the reason why they get into business is more time freedom more financial freedom and leaving a legacy yeah but he actually did it yeah right so he talked about how he was intentional with it how he's able to do it and it was pretty cool to watch it all going to uh, come into fruition the other thing that you know your family uh, is, is a model for us was that we had Gary Harper, right? Yeah. So we had Gary Harper, Susan Harper. Yeah. They've consulted with us and helped us kind of like structure everything. Yeah, And I remember the very first meeting, I think it was probably like in the first three, four hours. He's like, you know what? With what you guys are doing, you guys should copy the Guarinos. And to which I already said, who are the Guarinos? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But as we were talking about this offline before yeah. we started, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, like what you guys are doing is exactly the direction I want to go where we have an umbrella company that has the CFO, that has the chief marketing officer, right? We have the CTO, and they run all of the companies. Correct. Yeah, so that's definitely something I want to do, and it sounds like that's what you guys did with Impact Housing Group, to have all these other companies, one holding company, or one umbrella company, that has all the C-level suites, or C-level executives, and they drive all the other companies. Correct. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. All right. so, um, let's... We want to answer the questions, but before we get into the questions, let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll answer all the questions.
0: you understand that you wanna be a successful real estate investor. To do that, you need consistent, predictable revenue. The problem is your salespeople may be unreliable and bring in inconsistent sales, which makes you feel defeated at times and some level of self-doubt. We believe that people should be able to manage themselves. We understand how aggravating it can be when you take all the risk, but you're the bad guy when they don't get paid. We've hired hundreds of salespeople, leveled up multiple executive directors, and managed teams across multiple states, leading to hundred-plus transactions per month. Here's how to do it: Step one, attend our live event. Step two, join me on regular support calls, and step three, build out a success plan for coaching your salespeople. So go to disruptors.com/success, and in the meantime. Follow me and Steve Trang on Instagram. Consume all of our free content and schedule a call with our team so you can stop the revolving door of salespeople that leave and compete against you and instead build a high-performance company with your salespeople that accomplish their goals, enabling you to fulfill your company's purpose.
1: So going to the questions here, Uh, the first question is on YouTube from Karina206. So this is about REL. Is this RAL inside a single-family housing?
2: Correct. So residential homes being used for assisted living. Okay.
1: Do you do anything else or only single-family?
2: We only do residential homes. So only single-family homes, nothing commercial.
1: Got it. And another question from YouTube. This is Vasily uh, Marmal. Would Sacramento be a great fit for this type of opportunity?
2: potentially in the more suburban areas of Sacramento. I know the cost of living is insanely expensive out there, Mm -hmm. Um, but there is a lot of daughter Judy's out there, a lot of 50 to 70 year olds, upper middle class. um, And there's a lot of need. So definitely we do have a lot of Northern California students and you can make it happen in California. Unfortunately, you're limited to six residents in a home. It is one of the lower States, but the cost of real estate is expensive in California. So getting a five-bed, four-bath, that's doable. Mm -hmm. You know, here in Arizona, you're not going to find a 10-bed, 10-bath. You're going to have to create something. Over there, you're not going to have to do nearly as much renovation. It might just be adding more, you know, ramps and guardrails and making it senior safe instead of this massive addition. So that helps combat the cost of expensive real estate.
1: Um, with it being capped at six, can yeah. you charge more in California?
2: Exactly the rates in California pretty much at the state rate uh, average right is about fifty three hundred dollars per month and again we focus on only above the average So most of my California people are getting seven eight even upwards of nine grand a month per resident Yeah
1: so you can't get as many doors or many rooms but you can still get probably some close to comparable cash flow.
2: Correct. Also the fact that um, we also teach on memory care because you're going to deal with it no Mm -hmm. matter what, (laughs) right? I forgot where my keys were this morning. Like we all have memory care issues. Um, When someone needs memory care, it's an additional 1000 to $1,500 more per month Mm -hmm. that each resident's paying because the level of licensing is a little higher. The physical requirements on the home are a little bit more, um, and the caregivers have even a higher level of licensing. So. If you live in a state where you can only have six, seven, or eight residents, I always do recommend doing memory care.
1: Got it. Um, you know, I forgot earlier. Um, you know, we're talking about getting started. So, buying the house and everything else, like all in, like let's say I'm doing this in um, Scottsdale. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have to buy because it's investment. I'm going to put 20% down typically.
2: It depends because you could someone else's money you right jv partner for this you could do 25 percent down you could buy the house outright. there's so many different ways but yeah let's just say you did
1: so because it's, it's investment i'm gonna have to put something put more down yep and then out of pocket for everything else we're talking not a lot of overhead right for everything else except no. for except for the marketing and your uh, licensed administrator
2: and you're carrying costs so and just costs. like having at least if we're saying it's going to cost thirty grand a month to do this, then I would want to have like at least sixty or seventy just in cushion money for those first couple months, as we're not a hundred percent full yet.
1: Okay, because the expenses don't change. Correct. Just the revenue. Correct.
2: Because I it. might still be paying for that staff and paying for that cable and utilities and whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, so then, next question here from Jennifer Hudson. On Jennifer these- Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite professional association for this industry?
2: Professional association?
1: I'm guessing probably the one that you have mentioned earlier. Yeah,
2: I would say RAL National Association. So um, I think in the show notes, they'll have like a bunch of links. But RALNA.org is the association for all 30,000 of these care home owners. It's the only one that exists. So that is my favorite. Yeah, that (laughs)
1: makes total sense. And I mean, you're competing against like the giant organization so you do need to band together
2: oh yeah we got it we got to come together as a team so it's important
1: um then they have so they have an association yeah so i think that's the same thing right that's your association yeah uh next question from a is can you do this in a gated community
2: more than likely yes so i will say this an hoa may have rules that hey no businesses in this neighborhood right First of all, if there's an HOA and then there's a neighborhood right next door without an HOA, pick the neighborhood without the HOA, right? I don't know why people choose problems. (laughs) But if you have to choose an HOA neighborhood, that is all that exists in your area, then it is what it is. First note, not all HOAs are created equal. Some cost $11 a month and some cost hundreds of dollars a month. Mm -hmm. So there's always different rules. Read those rules, know the codes and covenants, but also note this. The Federal Fair Housing Act is a federal law that says it's discriminatory against disabled persons to not allow them to have housing. So that is a federal law. It trumps any city, state, angry neighbor, HOA, county, you name it, we win. Mm -hmm. So um, And we've used it time and time again with that legal power through the National Association. I'm not saying they're not going to fight you. They might fight you tooth Mm -hmm. and nail. But they're going to lose because it's federal law and they need to make reasonable accommodations. Also, more than likely, the guy who's running the HOA or gal who's running the HOA is usually a realtor, a broker, an accountant, someone who works from home. So, oh, we can't have my business, but you can have your business? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. We have a lot of fun in those HOA meetings, making sure that if we're going to get shut down, so is everyone else in this neighborhood, right?
1: So you're coming in guns blazing.
2: Guns blazing, baby. Yeah.
1: I love it. And it's a good point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, I, I get it. We won't run any businesses here. So <laughs> <Each> <laughs> all of, of y'all too. Yeah. Uh all right. And then and and, and that's a good question, because the gated community, I don't jump to HOA. I just jump into like, you know, nice. Why does gated matter? But yeah, HOA, um, it's um I always that the 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 very extremely uh fascist organization yeah. um and i when i used to do foreclosures i used to list properties for you know bank america chase wells fargo whatever HOAs were constantly the bane of my existence oh, you know yeah. and they always acted like they ran the show it's yeah. like buddy like you just you just work in HOA like it's just <laughs>
2: just volunteered <laughs> for this <laughs> yeah just, just calm down a little bit there
1: um Dexter says, yeah, it's like the universe is telling me something. She's, He's been uh, watching you and your dad for the last six months.
2: Oh, thanks for watching.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Smart Bucks, so goes back to my question earlier. How many bathrooms are needed per uh, resident?
2: Yeah, so your state will have very bare minimum requirements. Um, most states will say like for every six people, one bathroom. Ay, aye, yeah. That is not good. So definitely as many private as you can, as many private bathrooms as you can. Even if every room could have a half bath or a three-fourth bath, that's still something, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I like to have as many as possible because when daughter Judy's coming to tour, one of the big things she's thinking of is privacy. It, I want mom to have her own room. Mom is leaving her own house to come live in a room. She needs her own bathroom. She needs a closet. She needs her own TV in case she wants to watch her show. Privacy is key. So, the more bedrooms and bathrooms you can have, the better.
1: Especially, you're talking about what we're discussing earlier premiums. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, So, Karina's question Would you say the same for Texas? I know that many of the snowbirds choose Arizona, Florida. So, I guess uh, this is probably in the context we're discussing earlier uh, Arizona, Florida, one and two for retirement. Yeah. Is Texas one of those states? Do you know?
2: Texas has a lot of these homes, and there are a lot of people, you know. Okay, I'll say this. Um, raise your hand if you're aging or know someone who is. (laughs) Right? Right. Okay, people are aging everywhere. And just because you turn 85 doesn't mean you move to Florida or Arizona. First of all, people usually move at 65, not 85. If you've lived in Charleston, South Carolina your whole life, you're not going to pick up and move at 90 just because people have assisted living in Arizona. There is need for this everywhere in every market. And I also want to note this. With 3,000 homes in Maricopa County, I've got some competition, Mm -hmm. right? I've got to stand out. We created the first RAL home in the state of Rhode Island with one of our students, Mandy, and she has a waiting list out the wazoo. The state is begging her to open more because she's one of one. Mm -hmm. The only other options are big box facilities. So just because a state has a lot of seniors or a lot of these exist doesn't necessarily mean that that's where you want to do it you know, you might prefer a state that maybe has some more hoops to jump through, but there's way less competition. And so you're going to be full at all times.
1: So this is a question I asked your dad uh, years ago. I'll I'll ask you the same question. As a real estate investor, Mm -hmm. wouldn't having a residential assisted living facility be a lead source for buying houses? Yeah. Yeah. So, because I was like, hey, like, Jean's like, send me some referrals here. He's like, I can't. I was like, why not? He's like, I just can't do it. Like,
2: There's a lot of people, most of those people who are moving in, they're trying to get rid of their own home. Mm-hmm. So yes, you could play both sides of that. There's entire companies that do that. They basically seek out the seniors who are ready for assisted living and mm-hmm. they help take care of the noun of um, assisted living, the person, place, and things. Mm-hmm. And they will help place you in an assisted living home. So partnering with people who work for companies like that, or if you yourself are a realtor or a real estate investor and just want to buy more properties, you could play on both ends of this for sure.
1: Yep. So then a follow up question from Vasily is how are you standing out from your competition then? You know, you got 3000.
2: Yes. So I think that just being a step above everybody else, making sure that when every time you walk in that home, that it smells great, it feels great. It's good energy, right? Like, We want to make sure that our home has things that not everybody else has. So let's just say, for example, if you live in a state where no one else, none of the surrounding homes have a private chef, I'd put a private chef. That's how you stand out. If everyone has a private chef, you also need a private (laughs) chef, right? So it goes the same both ways. But doing something that makes your home a little different. Our staff always talks about doing niche homes. Mm -hmm. So there's a home here in Arizona called Shalom Home. You don't have to be Jewish to live there, but it sure caters to them right. and makes them feel nice and comfortable in that environment. And they're right near the JCC, and so a lot of people who are from the Jewish community, they want their loved one to go live in that home. Right. You can do all sorts of niche homes, women only, men only, different cultures, different ethnicities, different languages. Because a lot of seniors um, who, who speak two languages, when you get older, you start reverting back to your native tongue. And so if you live in a population where there's a heavy Latino culture, you may want to do a home where all your caregivers speak both Spanish and English or whatever the case may be. And you have that music, you have that culture, and that might be something that makes you stand out because everyone else who's running this is just caring about, okay, just care and get it done. But doing those little features, those little things to make yourself stand out. It could be a keto home, a vegan home. I mean, whatever you want, the options are endless.
1: right. So- Very, very niche specific. And it kind of, I mean, it makes me think of like Airbnb. Like that's what a lot of Airbnbs are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Like not only does it have a theme, it has a name. Yeah. Right.
2: The hideaway house. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like parts of me wants to roll my eyes, but part of me understands this. What has to happen? Well, as far as the Airbnb,
2: I want to stay at them. Are you joking? They're 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 getting me with the names with the. So themes. they're getting
1: you. So you might be a little more sentimental than <laughs> myself, right?
2: Yeah, I want to stay in Barbie's dream house Airbnb, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. See, I, whenever I'm traveling, all I need is a bed. <laughs> all right, I just need a Hot- bed. Hotels are for you. Hotels. I need a bed. That I can sleep through the night. That's the biggest challenge whenever I travel is. Yeah. Sleeping Easy, on guy. a bed that. Comfy. Allows me to sleep through the night. I don't know what it is. Like I sleep. Yeah wonderfully at home, but man, traveling is, yeah. can, can I get be the same rough. sleep? It can be yeah. So uh, guys, if you have any other questions, uh, please fire away. So what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing right now?
2: You know, I think um, as far as the homes go, I would say the biggest challenges right now is staffing, right? Over the last two years, the great resignation, we have all these people leaving this industry. Being a caregiver is hard work. And they're only getting paid minimum wage plus a couple dollars an hour. So, you know, usually, depending on your area, less than $20 an hour. Wow. That's not a lot. And it's hard work. Um, About 80% of this industry is run by immigrants from other countries. Um, And they are incredible workers. And they are some of the kindest and nicest and best people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also difficult for them. And it's difficult to find people who fit your culture. I always say slow to hire, quick to fire. If anything goes wrong, it's like zero tolerance policy. These are people's lives at stake. This isn't just like, oh, whoops, I posted the wrong thing on social media. No, 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 no. <laughs> this could be someone's life or death. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we want to make sure that everyone is in the absolute best hands. These daughter duties are trusting you with their loved one's life and you need to treat every interaction like that. Um, so you know, I think staffing's always going to be a challenge in this industry, but particularly over the last couple of years, anybody in the medical industry who dealt with COVID, God bless you. And that was a very difficult, you know, two, three years. I, I watched friends just have mental breakdowns from, you know, being in the hospital environment and mm-hmm. it was tough for our caregivers too. So um, I think staffing, staffing for sure.
1: Yeah, that makes of sense. Um, so let's see where are some other questions here. Um so let's talk about your family, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a family business.
2: Now it is, yes.
1: <laughs> so talk about that. Talk yeah. about what it's like working with a family, working yeah. with your family.
2: Yeah. So I pushed my way in, as I shared in the beginning, and and really became my dad's first hire, his first, uh, you know, a- employee. And then um, one of my brothers, he was a realtor, and he asked my dad, like, "Hey, what can I do to help you in this? How can I use my skills?" To help you with this. So he started um, buying and selling RALs um, because the transaction's a little bit different than just your typical, you know, regular rental or single family home. This is a very sentimental industry to a lot of people. And because so many of these owners are mom and pop owners who do work in the homes, it's like they're selling their baby. Mm-hmm. Like it's very emotional and the process yeah. can take a while. So he became the number one realtor in Arizona, buying and selling these, working with a lot of our students um, and doing that. So he works um, in that regard with us. Um, My sister became our CFO over time um, and she's absolutely incredible. Love working with her. Um, We on a personal side, we totally did not get along growing up, but now we get along better than ever, you know? Um, So I think in a weird way, the business has brought us really close. That's and cool. and and given us something to talk about and to bond over and um just really something so fun. My youngest brother, he always wanted to be an orthodontist, and we were like, he's not gonna work with us. And then just uh last year he started working with us and um it's been so wonderful. My mom is now our principal owner mm-hmm. um as everything got passed to her. We have um I, I've worked with mother-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, cousins, uncles, you know, mom, dad, brother, sister. It's It's been a blast all yeah. the way through.
1: Can't be easy all the time, though.
2: Can't be easy all the time. I think that the biggest thing is having everything laid out, contracts, right? People say don't work with friends and family. Who does that leave? Enemies and strangers? <laughs> like, no, I love my friends and family. That's the other thing. We don't just hire family. I hire a ton of friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love working with my friends because when I'm at work, we're talking about work stuff and then we're like, oh, you want to go do that cycle class later today? Like, because we're friends, we hang out outside of this and it just makes, to be honest, life so much more pleasurable because I enjoy talking to these people. They're a part of my everyday life. It's almost like, I don't know, growing up on a farm, you imagine it's a family culture, everyone's doing it and you're doing this work together but you're bonding over it and of course there's going to be disagreements and stuff but it's it's that work-life balance all in one and I want to show up and chat with people who I want to talk to every day. So I really like that.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Dexter's follow-up question is, how important is the city that your home is located in?
2: The city, so location is the number one key, right? Making sure that those demographics are, are correct, making sure that there's density in the area, um, and that the home is located properly, absolutely key. so so
1: not a small town.
2: Not a small town. We definitely want a larger population, you know um,
1: is there a population target?
2: Not necessarily, but I, I would say like I don't know like no less than 30,000 people mm-hmm. like I, I just I wouldn't necessarily go for a small town. I also wouldn't go for like San Francisco, you know like th- yeah. that's not gonna work. there's no there, there are residential homes there, but they're nice and long and tall and they're not what we're looking for. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And then uh, best type of loan uh, you recommend when you're closing on a facility?
2: Great question. A lot of our students use SBA. Um, that's super, super popular in this and they really know and like what we do with residential assisted living. So we have preferred vendors that we send a lot of our students to because they're like, we get it, we know it, we, we're happy to lend on this. In our training, we also go over private money, hard money, bank loans, crowdfunding, and then syndication. Um, because a lot of people want to invest in this, but they don't know how, and they don't know who to trust or what to do. So we really teach um, heavily on syndicating these deals.
1: Syndication is pretty fascinating. Yeah. Because you have to be a accredited investor. Yeah. Typically. Typically. And usually most investments require at least 100000 maybe 50000 yeah. on the lower side. Yeah. So how much are these syndications raising?
2: It could be a couple million. I've seen like one of our students out in Tennessee, they raised 3 million because it was for the home, the reno, the carrying costs, paying themselves. You know what I mean? And um, and they did they did at least three. I've seen it as low as 500 up to three.
1: Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I did not expect those numbers for residential assisted living. Yeah. Uh, So what is your why?
2: Oh, my why, you know, This whole thing started with my grandmother, and then when my dad passed, it really became about me carrying his legacy forward. I, um, of course, was so sad to lose my dad and my best friend, um, but he left me the biggest blessing that I think anyone could ever leave their kids, which is a legacy. He taught me everything that I could ever need and want to know about this, and he left me cash-flowing businesses. He left me assets not money in the bank businesses that mm-hmm. change lives that impact people and that i knew what i was doing with them you know it wasn't just like oh my god he's gone what do we do yeah and i just it, it clicked in me like i'm surrounded by a bunch of incredible real estate investors who don't have any plan of how to get this to the next generation mm-hmm. they're doing awesome but they have no idea how to pass this to their kids right. and so it's my mission and my why to Teach as many people as I can how to create this as a family legacy as a lasting legacy to pass from generation to generation and I really think that's what drives me every day.
1: Yeah, I think that's awesome right I can see the passion in your eyes and I think that's one of those things that's so like again we all say time freedom, financial freedom and legacy but then our actions don't always line up with that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then how do you measure success?
2: Oh, that's so tough because I'm a perfectionist, so it's it's never enough. <laughs> but I think success would be um you have to measure it internally and externally. Internally, there is a feeling in your heart and soul where you just know like what I'm doing is right and what I what, what that the path I'm headed down or what I accomplish that that ticked something in you and I think that you do need to have that internal like um Motivation and goal to be able to see success. I did this, I accomplished this. I also think it's partially external. You need other people to recognize what you did and see that, hey, what you're doing is awesome and um, shout you out for that. I don't think if, even if something's a success to you, if no one's there along the ride with you to point it out or say that you're doing incredible, it doesn't feel as um, accomplished, it doesn't feel as successful. So I think it's a little internal and external
1: makes sense and what is your superpower
2: you know i was thinking about this on the drive over here because i know you always ask this one um i think that i am highly efficient i use my time very well i'm very organized i do not make excuses for anything it's like we have a thousand things to accomplish today we're accomplishing a thousand things (laughs) there's no room for error really so yeah i'm very 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 efficient and organized um And just fast and focused. I feel like that is by far one of my greatest superpowers.
1: That's awesome. And what's the greatest lesson you've learned?
2: I think the greatest um, lesson that I've learned would be that, um, well, you know, a lot of people ask me like, oh, did your dad teach you all of this? He never sat down and taught me anything. I learned it all through watching him. And I think that's so important because we say it a lot like with kids, like in relation to kids, like they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. Mm -hmm. I literally did that as an adult with him. You know, he didn't teach me how to speak. He didn't teach me how to come on (laughs) this this show with you, do anything. I just watched him do it and was like, I'm going to do what he does. I think that's so important to be conscious of that everyone around you from your kids to your employees to just everyone in your life. They are watching you mm-hmm. and they're going to do what you do if you are a mentor or a coach to them. And I think that's just really important um, to know and to carry forward. And I think it's been one of the, the greatest things for me going forward is just being conscious of that and um, watching my behaviors and my actions to make sure that they're things I want everyone to pass on and carry on.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's one of the best lessons I learned was um, the you're always on stage. Yeah. Always. It doesn't matter, right? Like they don't it doesn't matter how you demonstrate or exhibit when the cameras are on and Correct. when things are good.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. What matters is how you carry yourself when things are bad. Yeah. Right? When things aren't going your way. Yeah. Then like uh, the like one of the other things that I remember learning, right? Like, how can you expect your employees to provide excellent customer service to your to their clients when they screw up, when in the situations mm-hmm. that they screw up, you lose it on them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Uh, what is the uh, uh, what is your favorite best or most interesting failure?
2: Oh, my most interesting failure. Hmm. You know, I think um I, I I would say probably the the first time that, you know, I had watched my dad speak for years, and he was an excellent speaker, excellent salesman, excellent presenter. And at at this one event we were at, um, we worked so hard to fill this room. We worked so hard. There's probably 150 people in there. No one bought. It was an egg, right? And we were just like, oh my gosh. And and in that moment, I didn't realize he was teaching me something, you know, because I didn't think I was ever going to speak. But he just, you know, at at that night, we went out, we got some wine, we got dinner, and he's like, it happens. And we get up tomorrow and we do it again. Mm -hmm. And the first time I spoke, And I got an egg and got zero sales. It was just like, this is an epic failure. (laughs) This cost our team money. This cost us energy. This cost me time. And I think it was just so like, I can sit here and pout and complain and cry and be sad and be in this moment. Or I can say, let's get up and do it again. And again, I didn't know that I was learning a lesson in that. But that failure really just taught me like, sometimes it doesn't work out. And it's okay. You get up and keep moving
1: you got to have short-term memory. Short-term memory. (laughs) Um, And then let's see we got a couple other questions here. Uh, Have you looked into child care or adoption homes?
2: I do really want to do – I've never done, like, um, daycare, right, for for children. I think they're talking about children. Um, I've never done that, but I really do, in Impact Housing Group, one of the types of homes that we really want to teach and train on once we crack the code for it. I don't do anything that we don't also do. Um, But is home for developmentally disabled adults – those with autism, you know, who are older and when their parents pass on, who's going to take care of them? I think that's a really, really important thing. So I don't know that I'll do daycare, but I do think we will get into that industry probably in the coming years. Big need there.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of funny because that was the next question.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Do you have homes for those with disabilities who are no longer with family?
2: Yeah. It's a big need. And a lot of people come to our training and say, I want to come learn everything I can to try to apply it in that way. And I always tell them, it's not exact, but take what you can. And if you crack the code, come and tell me, and, and yeah. we'll do it. Um, but big, big need there, um, and, and I really want to be able to help in that in that way.
1: Yeah. Um, and last question for me is: What book have you gifted more than any other?
2: The number one book, actually, that I gift—it's not a self-promo book. It's a real book that I'm obsessed with. Is called the Five A.M. Club. Mm-hmm. Have you read it?
1: I haven't read. it. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Um, because. The guy has a 5 a.m. call every day, right? I think so. Yeah.
2: So, great book. And it's basically just, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if it's fictional or nonfiction, but it feels fictional. It's like story, story yeah, telling, you know? It's like a table. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just about like getting up, grabbing the bull by its horn, living your life to the fullest, stop making excuses, go for stuff, which is very just my energy, my mm-hmm. vibe. So, I yeah. love it. And I always give it to people and be like, get up at 5 a.m. And when I start... Calling you at 6 a.m. Stop complaining.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I do get up at 5 a.m. every every day. It's um, not because I want to. Yep. It's just the only way I'm going to get. Get stuff done. It's the only way I can. Yeah. I can get the things I want to get done. Yeah. In the day. So what. um, Someone wants to find out more about this. Like where do they go?
2: Yeah. So um, I think we're going to put links in the notes. But RAL 101 is a great place to grab free information um there's webinars and books and podcasts but ral academy and you guys can follow us on any social we're on instagram facebook even tiktok follow me there i follow you i love your stuff on tiktok thank you um we're having a lot of fun there so yeah anything on social um would be great and then i'm sure we'll put all the websites
1: yeah that's, uh, we have that link right there oh,
2: there we go ral 101 follow Perfect. us there
1: Awesome. So uh, I'm going to make a couple of quick announcements. So think about what you want to leave the listeners with. Okay, uh, Guys, if you have value today, please like, subscribe, share, or comment. I'm asking you guys to do this. It helps us helps us accomplish our mission. And then, like we said earlier, Ren Bartley and I were doing our sales leadership training. Um, I think right now, more than any other, it's really important that you do take good care in shepherding your salespeople. Um It's really easy right now to uh, say, oh, you know, the market's slower. It's going to sell less. Well, they have a purpose. They have a goal. They're trying to accomplish certain things. And if you neglect them, there's nothing going to keep them attached to you. So you got to effectively lead and manage your salespeople. And Ren Bartlett is the guy to talk about how to do that effectively, especially in a market that's going down. So what last thoughts would you like to leave everybody with?
2: I think that uh, obviously so many of your listeners are real estate investors or, you know, getting into this industry. And I think that no matter what role that you want to play in this industry, it's really important that um, you're doing something that is going to change your world, your community's world and anybody like that. Mm -hmm. So investing with an impact is something that I want everybody to start considering as an option to add to their portfolio, whether it's RAL or something else, just do something that. Um, changes changes the community, changes the world, and and causes a big splash, causes an impact.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge, and I think that's like kind of like, um, you know, we all get into it initially for money. Yeah. Right, and then we get to it for more time, but yeah, the impact is when it turns from um, something that you you know you're you want to do yeah. to something where it's passionate and fulfilling, and like everything is just better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Our company motto is to do good and do well. Yeah. Because making money is good, but making an impact can't beat it. So exactly.
1: All right. Thank you so much. It was yes, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming <laughs> on. And we'll see you all next week.
0: Thank you. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disrupt us.